Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Owen the Saints. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis, and with me is my co-host, Jack Serlis. Jack, how are you doing? All good, Pat. How are you? Yes, very well, thank you. This is our very first episode reacting to an actual football match. Never um, thought this day would come. I know, yeah. And what a game it was too. Um, we started this podcast back in March, uh, launching just before we were set to play Norwich. Since then, I think you know the story, most of the world went into some state of lockdown due to COVID-19 and the Premier League was put on pause. It's back now though, we're recording this on Sunday morning. Um, Saints played on Friday night at Carrow Road, more than 100 days since that dreadful defeat to Newcastle at St Mary's um, and bounced back in some style, 3-0 winners, up to 37 points in the Premier League now. Uh, on this podcast, we'll be chatting through the Norwich game, what went right, who played well, who's got work to do, um, what this means for the remaining eight games of the season. And we'll look ahead to our next match, which is on Thursday uh, at home to Arsenal. Um, so, Jack, I think let's just dive in, really. First of all, what were your, initial, th- yeah, what were your initial thoughts on, on Friday night's performance? Well, I mean, it was quality, wasn't it? Just to uh, bring football back with three points, I think. We're 10 points clear of the drop now, eight games to go. It just takes a bit of that pressure off for those remaining, this running. And I think it's just brilliant because I think it will allow Hassan Hootel just a bit more time to bed his system of playing into the team without the fears of going down. So I was just delighted just to start with a positive result and so we can look up the table rather than down the table. Um, but yeah, it also made me realise in maybe a bit of a sad way how much my general happiness is impacted by Saints. <laughs> kind, of, kind of forgot about it, but just like after, after the win, just all the content on Twitter and on watching the highlights, I was just loving it. And I mean, yeah. it was great to start with the win, but just looking at the reactions of other clubs, obviously we're going to speak about Arsenal soon, but it's the highs and lows of football that is just ridiculous, isn't it? When we haven't had that for three months, the lows of Arsenal fans on Twitter where it's just like, I've... Why is football back? Please just null and void the season. But for a Saints fan, it's brilliant. And I cannot wait for the next game. Yeah. I mean, we discussed it before the Norwich game, but I was pretty nervous going into the match. Mm. And like, it's very, it's just not usual for a Saints fan to to feel uh, so relaxed during that second half. Um, mm. We'll come on to it. But during the game, during, like midway through the second half, it was just like this, this second half performance was just unbelievable playing so, 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 so well. Um, and yeah, it's just, it was an unusual feeling for a Saints fan. I mean, I was fully expecting it to be a nervy affair um, and to run out 3-0 winners is, is amazing. And like you said, now, um, hopefully we can, we can be looking up rather than down. And we, we discussed it before the game, but like, if you, if you start with a win, it really does take all that pressure off, which, which yeah. is brilliant. Um, so, I mean, to kind of go back to, to team news, then drop in an hour before kickoff. I think it was the team that most people expected Ralph to select. Um, potentially, obviously, Shane Long was out. So, Obafemi came in, uh, partnering Danny Ings. And then, I guess the one question, main question mark, was who would play right back. Um, and, he, and Ralph went for Valerie. Mm. Uh, mixed performance from, from Jan, is that fair to say, do you think? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he was the only slight surprise for me. I I was happy to see a right-back play. I really didn't want to see Ward-Prowse or Hoiberg dropping at right-back, so I was happy to see either him or Walker-Peters play. I probably would have preferred to have seen Walker-Peters just because I know what, I think most Saints fans know what he offers. He did 
he looked a bit shaky defensively, especially in those first five minutes. He gave the ball away a few times and, you know, put some of the defence under a bit of pressure. But going forward, he was decent. He went on a great run near the end. Um, but yeah, I think he he didn't have his best game, mm. but um, by no means horrendous. But I, I think I would like to see a bit more of Walker Peters. I think so. I mean, my, my, my predicted lineup before the game was was as Ralph selected, but with, with Walker Peters at right, right mm. back. Um, Valerie, I think, obviously, he made that error against Newcastle um, mm. that cost us the three points. Um, it was, it was. I guess, it's good to see Ralph keep the faith with him um, because he is a young player and he is talented. But there were, for me, again, examples of yeah. just defensive lapses in concentration. One, particularly in the second half, I think it resulted in a chance for Pookie that was blocked. Yeah. Um, but it was just like a dreadful clearance. He put himself under pressure with a bad touch, then tried to clear it and it went straight to a Norwich player. And then from there, they they counted. And that was one of the few times that they looked dangerous because um, overall, I, I was very impressed with our defensive performance. I mean, it's Norwich City, they're bottom of the table. From their point of view, it was a horrific performance. I mean, yeah. we spoke about it before the game, but they would have wanted to come out and they would have targeted that game as a... As a, I think Daniel Fark said they were looking for five. They, they were looking for five wins from their final nine games, um, and I'm sure that they had um, Saints at home as one of the one of the winnable ones, um, just because mm. of where we are in the table. But that was, I mean, it, ten minutes. The first ten minutes uh, accepted, they were awful, weren't they? Really, they were. I mean, yeah, as you said, the start of the game was as expected. They were just going to come out all guns blazing. They put us under a lot of pressure, but I think. 10, 15 minutes into the game, our quality on the ball showed. I think Ward-Prowse and Hoiberg in the midfield bossed their two midfielders. And I think we were just, we were settling in, like back into the system. I think it's first game back. You're not going to be flying or firing on all cylinders. But um, yeah, I think once we got into that system and the pressing from the front, I think we'll go on to um, speaking about the front, front, front four soon. But I mean... Yeah, it was quality. It was quality. And I think, yeah, when that system started to come in, high press, you know, the link-up play, we were just, we just had way more quality than Norwich on the evening. Yeah. I mean, so then, can you pick out, for you, I think it was Danny Ings that was given man in the match, but yeah. there was tons of, across the team, I think everybody performed performed at like a, a 7 out of 10 sort of level. I mean, there was a, the mistake from Valerie, probably with a docker mark for him. Um, but who impressed you most? Well, I think going forward, especially in that second half, we were so clinical, weren't we? Just taking chances. We didn't have that many chances, but we seemed to just be burying them. So mm. Ings, deservedly man of the match, got a goal and assist. I think he was a, he had that one sighter in the first half where Stevens brought the ball out from the back um, and laid it off to him. I think Stevens, just on a side note, did have a very good game. Bednarak and Stevens are probably the well, they definitely are the number one partnership for Ralph. Um, there's definitely room for improvement. And I see we're, we're constantly linked to that Mohamed Salasu, the uh, Ghanaian centre for I think it's Rayov Valladolid, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens there. But I think Stevens and Bednarak, quality. And I think one of his strengths is taking the ball out from the back, isn't it? He's really good with the ball at his feet. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I'd say Ings impressed me a lot. Redmond, it's so good to have him back for this running. I think that's a massive, massive boost because he would have missed a lot of those games through injury. So just to have that 
period off and cut mm. him back. He looked really sharp. Um, quick yeah, just, just on that as well, we've got to think that Gineppo obviously got a three-match suspension in the Newcastle game um, yeah. and Redmond would have missed Norwich, Arsenal and probably the Watford games as well. So, um, yeah, I mean... I don't want to say that, I mean, I guess one positive that we could take from, from the, the massive break was the fact that it allowed Redmond yeah. to come back in. Because um, missing Gineppo, it, it kind of would leave us short. And I guess Buffal would have come in. Mm. Yeah, I'm a massive Redmond fan as well. And I think he does get a bit of criticism from Saints fans for his end product. And I think that sometimes is what he lacks, maybe a little bit of intelligence in the final third where he's picking the right pass or shooting at the wrong time. But we're a much, much better team when he's playing well. And I yeah. think he, he links up with Ings very, very well. And I'm coming on to Armstrong now, but um, them three going forward are quality. The way they press, it looks like they just know the system really well and they know where each other are going to be. Mm. And Armstrong has added, added a few goals to uh, his performances now. He's obviously had that Celtic. He popped up with a few goals. And um, I mean, it was interesting when we spoke to Chris from the Cynic a few weeks ago and he was talking about his final third intelligence which I actually disagree I think I think Armstrong's really really good at that kind of mm. link up play and picking the right moment to shoot so yeah I think them three stand out for me Ings, Armstrong and Redmond I thought Hoiberg as well you gave him a bit of a shout out on Twitter but I think it is very deservedly so because he's been you know he's come out publicly stating his desire to move to a different club but to put in a performance where I don't think I didn't doubt I didn't doubt it but I was a little bit mm. worried that he might his head might be a bit, you know, gone. But um, I thought he was quality in the midfield and he did everything that he's good at, just keeping it simple, breaking it up, giving it to the wide players. So, thought, yeah, he impressed me a lot as well. Yeah, I mean, there was talk before that, well, I mean, social media uh, is social media, but some people called him for Smallbone to start um, alongside Ward Prowse. And, and I was, and I kind of was, was of the opinion that you don't, you don't drop, one of no. one of your best players for such a crucial game. Um, even if he does, even if he has said that at the end of the season, basically he wants to leave. Um, and we, I guess, we have been burned a little bit before with with players like Van Dijk that have kind of publicly uh, wanted away and then put in um, half-hearted performances, uh, and we've suffered because of that. Hoiberg really doesn't strike me as that sort of player. Um, listening to him in interviews, he's a kind of all-in. Uh, character um, he gives it 100% no matter what and again it was only Norwich but I mm. was uh, very impressed with the performance of War Prowse and Hoiberg I think they complement each other really well um, there was a bit of criticism for Hoiberg in terms of he, he did give the ball away quite sloppily on a few occasions yeah. um, and his attacking contribution isn't great but that's not what he's in the team for I mean no. we've got four attacking players, Ings, Obafemi, Armstrong, Redmond. All Hoiberg has to do really is win the ball, press, sorry, press, win the ball and give it to those players. And I think he did that brilliantly. Um, and as you say, him and Ward Prowse dominated the the um, the opposition. And I thought it was a really, really professional performance from Hoiberg. And yeah, I think we, we're going to need him for the last eight games and try and push on and finish as high as we can. Um, obviously, we'd like to get to a position where we're we're comfortable and we can start bringing Smallbone in um, yeah. more and more and see what he's got. But yeah, I thought Hoiberg was was great on Redmond. I thought it was interesting. Ralph after the game um, was speaking about kind of what was different between the first half and the second half, and he mentioned that we were just a little bit more direct in our transition. So 
we were winning the ball um, and then we were just kind of countering a bit more a bit more direct and I think that's really what Redmond brings to the team because mm. when he was on it in that second half he'd pick up the ball and he'd just beat one or two players and he would be he would be that kind of direct link between the press and then the chance mm. um, and obviously deservedly got his goal at the end um, with a really nice finish and we were so clinical I mean Ings had that chance hit the bar should have scored, but I mean, hit the bar, so it's unlucky. Yeah. Uh, and then great finish for his his goal. Armstrong, yeah, that's four goals, one assist in his last seven games. So at Celtic, he scored double figures, I think, in at least one season. Like he's he's a hugely um, it's hugely beneficial for the team to have an attacking midfielder that can chip in with well potentially get to around double figures each season because it it eases the load on Ings for one thing. Um, and we'll come on to Obafemi, but even when it's not Obafemi and it's long, I mean, he's not a goal-scoring forward. So you need contributions from the likes of Redmond and Armstrong, um, Ward Prowse. And, and to be fair, I mean, that's what we got on, on Friday night. So that was great. That was great to see. Yeah, also, I read a couple you know, articles talking about the fitness levels of Southampton. There was a lot of journalists praising how, how fit as a team we looked. And I think, as we've said, in that second half, we weren't giving Norwich any time on the ball. We were pressing from the front. Caught, you know, forcing mistakes, forcing them to kick it out for throw-ins and stuff like that. So I think a lot of praise has to go to Ralph and the backroom staff for keeping the players fit during this, you know, lockdown because it can't have been easy. And I think he has publicly stated that he did treat this lockdown as like a pre-season. So I think, um, you know, it was it was clear to see how how fit the guys looked out there. Yeah, I mean, it was a point that on Twitter during the game, I think it was Tom Murray from the Under the Lights podcast tweeted it and just saying like, a huge credit to the backroom staff. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, and I 100% agreed with that because it really, really was noticeable, um, especially when you're comparing uh, our performances to some of the other Premier League games that I've watched. So yeah, I watched the Spurs United game and it was it just looked so lethargic by comparison. Yeah. And a lot of the players were slow. Um and that's been the case for the Aston Villa Sheffield United game was dreadful, um, and and players I think quite understandably have found it difficult. But we looked so so sharp that that opening ten minutes expected we were a bit shaky, but then once we started pressing, winning the ball back and and uh, hitting them um, quickly, we just looked we looked um, we looked brilliant. And I think it's a it's a credit as well to the fitness levels that we didn't make subs until quite far mm. into the second half, um, which, which, which was, I guess, partly because we looked comfortable at 2-0 at early in the second half, but also mm. it's a credit to the fitness levels of the players um, because, I mean, everybody from the front was pressing, was pressing hard all game um, and it was great to see um, and also fantastic that nobody picked up um, any injuries, which, which is really positive because the games will start coming in thick and fast. We've got a few days now until to Arsenal, but then we play quickly again after that against Watford. So um, I, I'd expect some quite a bit of rotation between the Arsenal and Watford teams just because the games are so close together. But it's a huge bonus to come through the Norwich game with three points and and no serious, no injuries. Mm. Um, I just wanted to go on to uh, another talking point from from the match really was, was the performance of Michael Obafemi. He... Came in to partner Ings up front with with Long. I'm not 100 percent sure what what the injury is, um, but he didn't play against Bristol City in the warm up, and he wasn't in the squad on Friday. 
Uh, I guess Ralph will, will provide an update before the Arsenal game. But Obafemi came in and probably of all of the players attracted um, the most criticism. I mean, I think mm. everybody played well. We won 3-0, so it's, it's harsh. But I think of all the performances, he... he um, yeah, a few people were left frustrated by his performance. What did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, he didn't have his best game. He did look a bit rusty and his touch was a little bit poor. He wasn't as sharp as players like Redmond and Armstrong going forward. But first game back after three months, I think you can you can forgive him for not being bang on his game. And like you said, we won 3-0. He also got an assist. He set up Redmond's goal. So not a horrendous performance. I can see why people did pick him out because I can remember a few points in the game where I was just frustrated at just the lack of sharpness he should have set Ings up for you know potentially a second goal but um yeah I mean he didn't have, he didn't have the worst game he didn't look yeah. amazing but I personally I, I kind of I don't mind Obafemi in the team and I think when when Shane Long's not playing he does we have to we have to build the team around Danny Ings don't we because he's the goal scorer so we have to play a striker alongside Ings that's, that's going to get the best out of him yeah um I would like to see Shea Adams and I really want that partnership to to grow Adams and Ings because I think that has a lot of potential. But I think Obafemi allows Ings to get more space by pulling the defenders wide, running the channels, which is really important. So while, while he might not have had the best game with the ball at his feet, I think he was really, really important at stretching Norwich, especially in that second half when he was just running the channels, giving space to Redmond, setting up a goal. So... To be honest, I think I did see some reviews where people were giving him like a five. Maybe yeah. I mean he wasn't great, but I don't think it needs to be that bad about him because uh, he's nineteen as well, isn't he? Yeah, I mean he's 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 nineteen years old. I think my opinion, like you said, there were moments where you were just kind of like screaming at the TV that Ings opportunity being the, yeah. the main one. He kind of just got his head down, took another heavy touch, and and the chance was gone. There was an opportunity in the first half as well, first half as well when he kind of went down the right channel and he just mm. blazed it over. Um, and yeah, his end product needs improving, but he is young. I think he'll get there. He definitely has attributes. Um, that help make the team successful. I mean, not least of being similar to Long in the fact that he seems to make um, Ings a better player. I think there were examples in the game of um, his hold-up play and his link-up play. I think while his touch quite often is quite heavy, um, he is he is quite adept at um, holding off defenders and bringing the likes of Redmond, Ings, Armstrong into play. Uh, and as you said, he's got pace as well. So he stretches, he stretches teams. Um, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that, yeah, I wouldn't be overly critical of his performance. Um, I think Long, when he's fit, will come back into that into the team. But I think Obafemi is a great option for us. Um, yeah. And yeah, and, uh, and in the same view, I'd love to see Adams um, just get that little bit of confidence because I think he brings that extra goal threat that we could yeah. have alongside at Ings that Obafemi perhaps doesn't really have. Um, he doesn't look the sharpest in front of goal at the moment and, and it's hard to criticise him too much for that because we are coming um, off a three-month break. Um, yeah. I also think about Obafemi, what kind of gives me a bit of confidence is that Hassan Hootl is very, very open about him, which hmm. kind of gives me confidence that they've got a good relationship and I think Hassan Hootl sees a lot of potential in him. I saw in the post-match interview, he said that his first half was not good enough and i I think that shows that they've got a good relationship. If you've got a manager that's going to go out there and just be like, his first half's not good enough, second half is a bit better. It's really open. 
And I think he sees a lot of potential in him. And, you know, there's, a, there's obviously a reason why he's starting Premier League games. Hassan Hootel knows that we're still down there fighting for survival. So yeah, he's not going to just chuck this guy in just to give him, give him minutes. I think he, he knows what he can bring and he knows what... Basically, I just think he, he thinks that he can mould him into a really good player. And I think that's quite, you know, exciting. Yeah, I think he sees... Um... I think he sees skills that he has that works in a Hassan Hootel system. Um, yeah. And, and that's his athleticism and his pressing. I think he presses really well. Um, yeah. As you, as you mentioned, the front three, front four, really looked like they, they were understanding when to press, when to drop off. Um, Hassan Hootel, after the game, said that um, one of the differences in the second half was, was Saints just dropped that little bit deeper. Um, to kind of deny, I think it was Cantwell, who was playing for Norwich in a kind of creative role, just squeeze the space between him and their two strikers, um, Puki and Dermich, I think it was. Yeah. Um, just dropped a little bit deeper. That really nullified Norwich's attack, which wasn't great to start with, um, and allowed Saints to spring um, on the counter. And in that second half, the game just got so wide open. And there was that scare when they had the goal disallowed for offside. Um, that came around the same time Valerie made that error and mm. given the opportunity for Puki to have a sighted goal. And I was at that stage, you're, you're thinking the game can go one or two ways. And as a Saints fan, you almost are conditioned to expect it to go <laughs> 2-1 and make it a, like a nervy 20 minutes or so. Um, yeah. But yeah, to get that third goal, it was it was, it was great. Um just thinking, anything else? Nathan Teller, debut off the bench as well. Premier League debut and his senior debut. So another um, another milestone for the academy, another youngster coming through, which is great to see. Had a little opportunity, actually. I remember right at the end, he had a little sight of goal. Um, didn't really catch his shot, but it's yeah. exciting to see him coming into the team and, and obviously Ralph's giving him a chance and he'll, he'll probably have more opportunities as, as the final eight games, um, as we move through them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know too much about Nathan. I know he came through Arsenal Academy and we got him in. Um, but yeah, as you said, it's exciting to see youngsters given a chance. And you know, he did have that one chance where, like you said, didn't catch it amazingly. But I think it's it's positive. He looks like a, a decent talent. And um, yeah, mm. why not? I think now now we've got this 10-point gap. I think it'll be good to see a few different players given a chance. And yeah. Players like Teller and Smallbone just uh, see what they can bring. Yeah, the one final thing I just wanted to mention on the Norwich game as well was we've given credit to the coaching staff for the way that they've got the players fit. Um, we looked sharp from set pieces as well. We could have scored from set pieces, especially I'm thinking of that one in the first half. The Armstrong one. Yeah, where they worked it to Armstrong, a kind of Warprow's low corner to the near post. I think it was a dummy. I can't remember who dummied it or kind of went to mm. look like they were going to take it and then left it for Armstrong around the penalty spot. He, he caught it, but it was straight at Krull. Um, it's just it's good to see those sorts of things um, from your team rather than just kind of lumping the corner into the because Warprow's has got great delivery and we really need to make the most of that. Um, so it was nice to see a bit of creativity off the training ground. Didn't quite um, come off, but yeah, I was I was happy to see that. Yeah, I mean Warprow's is one of, if not the best set piece taker in the in the division. So I think we've got to utilize that asset especially playing against some of the bigger teams where you don't get too many chances. You have to have a few set-piece routines that just give you that, that chance to go. And I think yeah. Armstrong's the perfect person to come on to it because he strikes the ball really cleanly, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. 
Um, so yeah, I think all in all, hugely, hugely positive result. It's nice for our first post-match Saints <laughs> chat to be after a three-nil victory, um, which brings us on to our preview for the for the game on Thursday night. We are welcoming Arsenal to St Mary's. Um, First of all, I guess, do you put any stock in the fact that obviously we've we've got one of the best away records in the Premier League? I think only City, Liverpool, and Leicester. I think it's maybe? just I think it's just City and Liverpool because we've got seven just, wins now. Yeah. Okay, just City and Liverpool that have better away records than us. I actually did read. So I did read that Hassan Hüttel has got more away wins than Hughes and Pellegrino combined. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, the problems have come at St. Mary's and mm. some people are probably quite hopefully um, suggesting that maybe the absence of fans uh, will help us. I don't really put any stock in that. I don't think it's the fans that are holding the players back at St. Mary's. I think it's just the way that Ralph set up, sets up the team to play. We're better on... Um, on the counter and we've got quick transition players um, and the pressing works when we're away from home and, and seems to be less effective at home but do you expect there to be any difference in Saints' performances playing at St Mary's with no fans? Um, no, I think I agree with you. I think it's going to be you know pretty similar. Uh, I think like you said we're good on the break. We're good when teams come at us so hopefully Arsenal will come at us on on Thursday because they, they need a win. They've had an awful couple of games back so I think it's all about who we play rather than where we're playing. If we're we're playing against a team like Norwich in that second half had to come at us and open up because they needed the win. So that's perfect for Southampton. When a team like Burnley comes to St Mary's and sets up two banks of four, it's just impossible for us because we struggle to find that killer pass. But teams that open up a bit more and give us a bit more space to stretch them, that's when we can punish. Yeah, I think that's a good point, actually. No, we have to remember that Norwich really wanted a result um, and yeah. they, they, they left so many gaps in midfield yeah. in that second half and we really punished them. Um, Arsenal then, they got battered, really, by City. Could have been, could have been much worse, 3-0. David Luiz is, unfortunately for us, going to be suspended. <laughs> um, would have loved to have seen him in the Arsenal team because he's having an... He had an absolute shocker at the Etihad. Mm. Um, he's missing. And then, yeah, on Saturday, they got beat by Brighton uh, 2-1 at the Amex. Shame for us, but I mean... Yeah, yeah. I mean, Brighton aren't a good team. Uh, no. You can you can forgive losing to Man City, although I think for the manner of the defeat for Arsenal fans um, was, was a thing that stuck um, the most because they really didn't offer a threat at all. And mm. then the Brighton game, they were 1-0 up. Pepe scored in the second half and Lewis Dunk um, levelled from a set piece. And then 94th or 95th minute, um, Neil Mope, Neil Mope uh, snatched it for Brighton, which is a big result for them. That moves them on to 32 points. We're on 37. Um, huge result for them. But from from Arsenal point of view, uh, they'll be without David Luiz. They'll be also without um, Bern Leno, their goalkeeper. Um um, I think almost certainly he's going to be out for a long period of time after picking up an injury in a collision mm. with Mope. Um, they have had a dreadful start. They've got obviously Mikel Arteta in as manager and they are, I think they're trying to change the way they play a little bit and they haven't quite got um, the personnel in at the moment to play the way that Arteta wants to play. Kind of similar to how Ralph really has, has mm. struggled to um, adapt some of the players that we've had in our squad Um 
for the way that he wants to play. Um, mm. But I mean, I remember talking to you a few weeks ago and you kind of expected Arsenal might be half decent with no fans. That hasn't proven to be the case yet, but they come to St. Mary's <laughs> and, and you know, I mean, p- pessimistic Saints fan in me says that they'll probably turn it on now against us. Yeah. I mean, I've got a few fans, a few mates that are Arsenal fans and probably the same as you. <laughs> when you speak to Arsenal fans, it is either incredible and they're going to win the league or meltdown. Is it? There's no, there's no in between. And they're definitely in meltdown moment um, at the moment. But um, yeah, as you said, Arteta come in and I think most Arsenal fans really, really back him and they really support what he's trying to do and they know he's trying to change the culture and the whole philosophy around the club. And like you said, he needs a few more players to really kickstart that team. But just from an outsider's point of view, I just I don't know what, what team he's going to pick and I think that's part of the problem. Like yeah. Every time I look at Arsenal's team sheet, I'm like, oh, Tierney's dropped, Lacazette's starting, Martinelli's on the bench. just seems to change every single week and... I think, yeah, like, I think that's part of the problem. There doesn't seem to be that much consistency there. I know they've got a few injuries, but even like, he doesn't, he doesn't play Aubameyang Lacazette up front. Sometimes he plays one wide. Sometimes he plays, you know, he just mixes it up. The sentiment fields change a lot. Saka gets played left wing, left back. Ozil's in and out of the team. So interesting to see what team he plays. I think Pepe, he obviously got that goal, very good goal. I think he, I said on a previous podcast, I think he could be quite good in these last few games. So, I think he's one to watch against us because I think he could potentially expose one of our fullbacks because he is a quality player and I think he does have that um, yeah that end product. But yeah, I mean, the good thing there is he's up against for us from our point of view. The good thing there is he's up against Ryan Bertrand but, probably yeah. rather than Valerie or or Walker Peters whoever starts. Um, but the bad yeah. news is there is probably going to be a Bamiyang on that flank. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's not good. But I mean the. Unfortunately, I know I saw Leno got that awful injury from from Mope. I think the little shove that he did on the uh, the corner of the box. I think it'll be Martinez in goal for them, which it's a boost for us because he's been their best player, hasn't he? Leno, he keeps he yep. wins them. He's well, a very good goalkeeper, yeah, really good goalkeeper. And I think Mary's out for the rest of the season. Xhaka, I don't think will be fit. So, and I think they're a much better team when Xhaka's in midfield. I don't really rate Gwen in. I don't really rate uh, you know, the way they play when when he's yeah. in there. So, yeah, I was. Uh, Okay, I was speaking to um, one of my Arsenal friends in, just in preparation for this, actually, um, and just wanted to get his opinion on what's kind of gone wrong in the last two games. And and you you mentioned Xhaka there, and he for Arsenal fans, he's a kind of Marmite player. Some some of them absolutely hate him, and some some think he's he brings mm. a lot to the team. Um, and and this this Arsenal fan thinks he brings a lot to the team, really, and said. One of the things that's gone wrong for Arsenal um, recently is there's been no connection between the defence and midfield um, and vice versa. Nobody's wanting the ball in midfield. Um, and, and Xhaka's kind of main attribute is that he's really comfortable on the ball and he can pick a pass. Um, and when you've got players further up the pitch, like Aubameyang and Lacazette, that's really useful. Now, Guendouzi has kind of played that role. Um, and the other thing I think that stood out to Arsenal fans has been a kind of lack of fight in in the Arsenal team and it's something they've been criticised for for a long time now kind of going back to the days when they had Patrick mm. Vieira um, and players like that is when they were actually kind of a, a really difficult team to play against and since then they've kind of been branded as a as a bit of a soft touch um, and I think Gwen Doozy whether up fairly or unfairly like typifies that for me he's kind of like 
he, he shows like fake yeah. fight, yeah. if that makes sense. Like he's scrappy and he, he gets in people's faces. And I know he, he kind of got in Mope's face in, in the Brighton game after the, the, the Brighton forward got, um, yeah, he shoved Leno and, and that contributed to the injury. And Gwen Doozy kind of got in his face and there was a bit of afters um, following the match. But that was kind of like fake yeah. fight to me. It's like you need to do it on the pitch during the game. You need to get stuck in. You need to win tackles. You need to play well. Um, and Mope after the game, I think his quotes was something along the lines of they were talk- Arsenal <laughs> were talking all during the second second half when they were one nil up and they ultimately got what they deserved. Um and I think that probably was a, a comment pointed Definitely at was, when yeah. Um but, but yeah, so I think that's that's an area for us where we can exploit. I think assuming we go with Hoyberg and, and Will Prowse in midfield again, I really like that dynamic. Will Prowse, we didn't really actually discuss his first game. Um since being appointed captain, I thought he didn't didn't really do anything wrong. wasn't particularly spectacular. Just a really solid game from him, um, which is great to see as as captain. Mm. Um, he, I think he he the armband was um, it, it didn't really affect him too much at all, which which I expected. But yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I, I was reading an article from from Carl Anker at the Athletic, and he picked out a moment in that second half where I think Hoiberg was getting reprimanded from the referee, and Warpals just like stepped in, and it was kind of a a big moment. He's role reversal. Role reversal. Yeah. yeah, it's usually it's usually the other way around. So I think Carl put it as like the new era of Southampton or just signified the new era. So he's a different type of leader, isn't he? To Hoiberg, Ball Prowse. And I think that's yeah. what that's what was noted in the article. So yeah, I mean I mean I'm I'm excited to see Wall Prowse as the captain. I think he has a lot of qualities and he has to start centre midfield. It'll be interesting to see who partners him if Hoiberg is moved on or who we try and bring in. But um, I think when we're playing well, he is a key part of that. And I think when, when he's, when he gets injured, we do miss him a lot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, on leadership, uh, the, something else that picked up from on the Arsenal side of things is um, like, we've talked, they talked about their lack of fight, but also a lack of leadership. So Aubameyang's their captain. And that really feels to me like they've just given the captaincy to the best player. 100%. And kind of, and hoped it worked out. Like hopes that obviously there's, I think there's rumours that he wants to potentially leave the Emirates. Um, he's liking, he's liking all kinds of tweets. Have you seen that? It's, Has he? No, I haven't. No, no. Yeah, there's like articles, there's articles about like, there was one about Aubameyang's doing all the work, but he's just not getting found from his midfielders. Mm-hmm. And he's like, like, he's like liking <laughs> those articles. It's like, the club is just in disarray. But um, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think it, it, that does, seem like they're just like okay you're our best player you're a top goal scorer you're the captain right rather than that and that's completely the wrong approach it's like giving the captaincy to, to Danny Ings for us like yeah. Danny Ings is our best our best player our goal scorer but captain of the team is Will Prowse and and before that Hoiberg and 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 you can you can make a really strong argument for why that should be the case not just oh Aubameyang Danny Ings is our best player let's make him captain so he doesn't leave the club I think that sums up the state that that our Arsenal are in at the moment um, yeah. I think that's it's, it's illustrated in their transfers as well, isn't it? Some of this, I did see someone tweet something like, "Good to see how Arsenal's strategy of signing players from friendly agents is going." Yeah. Like they just <laughs> they they got they got Cedric in. I think they gave us five million for Cedric, and it's like absolute disaster loan. David Luiz, players like that, just just I don't see any long term strategy. There's no thinking in that. Obviously, they have got a few signings, right? Martinelli looks quality. Yeah. Um, at 18 Brazilian um, strikers. So I think 
that's decent. But some of the other signings, you just look at and you just think, just so short term, just trying to plug a gap, but yeah, not very good players ultimately. You've made you said at the start when we started discussing Arsenal that it'll be interesting to see what team Arteta picks against us, um, and you just reminded me there, Martinelli. He, I don't think he's played a single minute of the two games. I think he's on the bench both games, and I don't think he came on in either of them. Mm. And obviously, teams can make five subs now, uh, so you'd expect it's odd. It, like he's one of their most promising young players. Arsenal fans are extremely excited about him. Whenever I've seen him play, he looks impressive for a for a teenage forward. Um, I it'll be interesting to see whether he features against us. Um, They've got lots of options in the forward areas. I think Bamiang, Lagazette, Pepe are kind of their senior options. But then I wouldn't be surprised if Martinelli came in. They've got that Reese Nelson as well. Saka has has, um, has started. Yeah, he looks good. Yeah, he looks good. They've start, They've got quite a few good young players. Um, so, but Martinelli is an interesting one. I, I, that'll be a name that I'll be looking out for on the team sheet on Thursday. Um, because yeah, he hasn't played a single minute for them yet, and and a lot of fans are excited. A lot of Arsenal fans are excited about about him. But I just got a, f- a few um, stats. I wanted to talk a little bit about our recent games with Arsenal as well. Um, mm. But they haven't. Arsenal have not won. Well, that sorry, they've won one game from their last fourteen Premier League away matches, and that was against West Ham at the London Stadium in December. So their away record recently has been shocking. Um, obviously, our home record has been almost equally uh, as poor. Um, yeah. And Lagazette, we mentioned him as well. He's gone more than 16 hours uh, of football away from home in the Premier League without scoring. And I know in the build-up to the Newcastle game, um, all the talk was about, oh, Joe Linton hasn't gone X amount of time and it'd be typical Saints for him to score against us. He didn't score against us, but... Lacazette is a lot better player than Joe Linton. <laughs> mm. So I'm going to use that line again and say it would be typical for Lacazette to score <laughs> against us, um, having gone more than 16 hours without scoring. But I mean, they're, they're, it couldn't really be a better time for us to play Arsenal, I don't think. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, obviously, I can't speak for Arsenal fans. They seem to be, from just from the feeling from speaking from friends and looking at Twitter and stuff, they seem to be so supportive of what Arteta's doing. But some of them... It, Seems to be they are losing a little bit of patience in his team selection. We mentioned Martinelli and you said how promising he is. He's not getting enough time. Yeah. The way, when we talk about Lacazette's goal drought there, I think that partly is because he's so in and out of the team. Yeah. Maybe he did go on a bit of a runway, went for a few games without scoring, but it just seems to be like one game in, one game out. So, as I said before, there's a real lack of consistency there. So, I just don't know what team's going to turn up at St. Mary's. But yeah, it seems to be a great time to play them. They're in absolute disarray. They've got a few players injured. Yeah. Um, but yeah, who on to Arsenal? Who who knows what's going to happen? But positive against Norwich, and we go there. Yeah, looking at the table. Exactly. I mean, uh, when we played Arsenal earlier this season, um, it was in in the bleak moments of I think post losing to Leicester, um, and we were just really really down in the dumps, and and that was almost a turning point game for us because we were two one up with seconds to go, and. It was like a there, wasn't it? I think that popped yeah. up with the yeah, it was yeah. with the injury time equaliser at the Emirates, and we drew two all um, against them. But that for, that showed their fragilities there that game because we were probably at one of our lowest ebbs, um, 
and sure, yeah. and we and we managed to get something from that and we should have got all three points we obviously beat them in Ralph's first game first official match in charge um, after he was appointed and that was in December beat them 3-2 at St Mary's Charlie Austin with the header um, yeah. I think Ralph's Ralph's first game was Cardiff but he was in the stands for that um, we lost 1-0 which was yeah very bleak, bleak. Um, but yeah his first official match was Arsenal but we don't have a tremendous record against them We've, that that 3-2 victory was our only win in our last seven games against them um, it'll be interesting I think yeah there's, there hasn't been a, a better time to play them for a while uh, we will be hugely um, hugely I think there should be a great feeling around the team because we've, we've come back we've won 3-0 Ralph's got a new four year contract um, and yeah there's a really positive vibe around the place which is, which is great mm. Can, do you think there'll be any changes from Ralph in team selection? Um, we obviously play Watford a few days later at Vicarage Road. Uh, do you think Ralph sticks with with a team that that played against Norwich and then probably rotates against Watford, or or, or are you expecting something else? Uh, no, I think he's. Well, I expect him to stick to the team and then rotate against Watford. I think there might be yeah. one or two changes, maybe Valerie, but I think that that core team of the, especially going forward, I hope that stays the same anyway with the Ward Prowse, Hoiberg. Armstrong Inns and Oberfemi Redmond. So, yeah, I mean, I'm expecting the changes to come against Watford. Um, hopefully see a bit more time for the likes of Adams and players like that. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with you, really. I think I would, I would stick. We've really kind of found a settled team. Mm. And he started with Valerie against Norwich. I, I agree with you. I'd like to see more of Walker-Peters, but I don't think, uh, going up against a Bamiyang is a particularly smart move to throw someone into their first um, bit of action in. And I'm not hugely confident about Valerie either. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's the that's the area to watch again when the team sheets comes out. Um, if Long's back, he'll probably go into the team because he's um, against the against big teams when we're expecting to be soaking up pressure and, and, and then hitting on the counter. He's, he's really useful. Mm. Um, but yeah, positive stuff. Very, very happy. Buzzing to um, be back. Buzzing to be back. Exactly. We've had three months so, of hard shit, three months <laughs> just talking about anything Saints related. And now we can actually speak about a game. It feels weird. It feels amazing. It feels weird. It feels weird, but it feels great to, for it to be a three 0 win. Yeah. Um, onwards and upwards. I mean, we, we had a little bit of a, I don't want to call it a false dawn, but we had that great run over Christmas and into the new year and people started whispering about European football <laughs> and how high can we finish? Can we get to seventh, eighth? Mm. And then we had that awful run when we lost to, we lost to West Ham, Newcastle, uh, Burnley. Mm. Um, and we kind of so were looking over our shoulders again. It only takes one result, beat Norwich 3-0 and we're looking at the table. Um what do you think is possible over these final eight games? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point. I do think looking at Ralph's tenure at Southampton, it does kind of go in ebbs and flows, doesn't it? Real positive spells and then kind of spells where we really struggle to go. Maybe that's a, a consequence of how intense we play and how mm. much he demands of the players. Maybe they can, maybe if, if we raise our fitness levels to, a, to an area where we can have that 90 minutes throughout the whole season, we can look up the table. I think we're still we're still working on that at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think 12th would be the aim. 
for, for me. Yeah. I think we could. That's how high we can look for this season. I think I'll be delighted if we if we make it there. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's brilliant. Now we can start looking up the table and you know hopefully put those fears of relegation to one side. But yeah, I think ahead of us, we've got Everton on the same points and they play against Liverpool tonight and Burnley also got a game in hand. They're two points ahead. But I think we can have those in our in our targets if we do carry on with that, that Norwich yep. performance. Yeah, I think, well, obviously 40 points is a short-term target. Mm. We've got, as mentioned, Arsenal. I mean, I think when we were talking about this before, we were looking for between like four to six points, or four points from Norwich, Watford and Arsenal games. Yeah. We've got three already. Um, Arsenal, they're in a little bit of disarray. I think there's an opportunity there for us to get something. And then we go to Watford again and they just played Leicester, drew one all. I wasn't particularly impressed. They were very good pre-lockdown. They obviously got a huge result beating Liverpool. Um, they snatched a draw against Leicester on on Saturday. I think it'll be a, it'll be a much tougher game than against Norwich, but I think it's a very winnable game, and especially away from home, I think I fancy our chances there. Mm. So if we end up taking six points um, from those from that Norwich, Arsenal, Watford, that's fantastic because we've got a little bit of a trickier, trickier run. Mm. Um, but then we end the season with three very winnable games. So I think forty points is our short term target. Um, but there's no reason I don't think we should be pushing on to forty five plus. Um, I think hopefully this win over Norwich now means that we're looking up and that eases the pressure a little bit um, for us to get results, which allows us to play a little bit freer. And it seems like it's only one game, but it seems like we're really, our players are are kind of right up to speed, very sharp, very fit, um, especially compared to some of the other teams we've watched play. So hopefully that we can use that to our advantage over the final eight games. Definitely. And I mean, I'm just looking at the table now. It feels crazy to think that we're three points behind Arsenal and only five points behind Spurs. Yeah. I mean, it just yeah, shows we've it. had such an up and down season. But it shows how poor some some clubs this season have been. Yeah. I saw someone tweet that, yeah, we beat Arsenal 7-0 on Thursday and we go above them. So... <laughs> Danny Ings actually... That's the thing. Oh. Our goal difference is so bad um, because of that. Yeah. Uh, because of that Leicester result. But um, yeah. All right. Well, we will catch up then uh, next Monday. That'll be following, it'll be a bit of chat following the Arsenal game. Um, fingers crossed for another positive performance and positive result. But yeah, Jack, thanks for joining. Thanks for joining me. Um, up the Saints. Up the Saints, Pat. Been a pleasure. Speak to you next week. See ya.